Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Well, good morning, Redemption Church! Man, you guys look great today. My name is Byron. I get the great privilege to be able to lead as the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Me and my wife, Ashley, we planted Redemption about five years ago, and we are just so excited about what God has been doing here in the church. Um, I remember there's these little moments that happen uh, along the way that just that just remind you why you got started. And one of those moments was about four years ago um, on our, I think it actually might have been our very first Easter Sunday. I, I, I preached a sermon called, Who is Jesus? And on that message, I opened up the sermon with the question, Who is Jesus? Some of you have been asking that question this very day. And it was just a, a simple message over the resurrection of Christ and that Sunday, I didn't know it, but there was a, a girl in the parking lot who was coming to church for her first time, and she was having kind of a nervous breakdown in the, her car, crying, and her prayer before she walked in the doors for the first time was, God, I don't know who you are. Can you just tell me who Jesus is? And then when I stood up and I preached that sermon, I opened with those words, and it was just for her. And that Sunday, she gave her life to the Lord. We got to see her be baptized. She joined, come on, somebody. She joined a church. And she had a boyfriend. And, and he was not a believer nor a Christian. And he got in trouble. And so he came to church with her. And he started serving in the church with her. And today, four years later, he's going to be preaching his very first sermon in this church. This is why we say life changed through Jesus. We have a saying in our church that says, from the parking lot to the pulpit, there is a place for you and there is always next steps and room to grow. And Trevor Knox, he actually started serving two services a Sunday, loading and unloading the trailer, setting up, tearing down, and holding a pop sign in the parking lot. But through his, through his um, just love for the church, his passion, his heart to serve, his character, he has continued to grow. And today, Redemption Church, we get the great privilege and honor to see the parking lots to the pulpit right now. So let's give it up for Trevor Knox! Oh, Come on, somebody. Let's go ahead and start with, is this thing on? Can you all hear me? All right, guys, how are we doing today? Oh, man, I feel like I'm in a church full of lumberjacks. We're all wearing flannels, okay? It's terrible weather, but y'all made it. Thank you so much. Guys, if you are new to Redemption, I want to thank you for coming and joining us for worship. If you're not new to Redemption, I want to thank you for getting out of your turkey coma and actually coming to church, okay? So if you have your Bibles, we are going to be hanging out in Acts chapters 2, 42, verses 42 through 47. And again, if you're new, I'd like to disappoint you up front. 
Pastor Byron already gave me the spill. I can't really top that. So yes, I am indeed not Pastor Byron. My name is Trevor Knox. I have the great privilege of serving here on staff as our campus director, where I oversee our serve teams. Where are my serve team people at? You see, Pastor Byron, they are here. You cannot fire me yet. All right. Well, hey, we are jumping back into our Be Bold series this morning. Are you all ready to be bold? Good, because I need you all to say yes every time I ask that. Okay. It's going to be a lot. We're back in our Be Bold series. If you don't know what that is, well, we have good news, guys. It's attached to our Be Bold building campaign. We're getting a new building. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Guys, we buying the whole block. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so all year, Pastor Byron, along with some other amazing guest speakers, have been trying to uh, teach and preach to us to equip us to be bold because we have to be ready by the time we get into this new building, okay? So I've been on fire all year. Are you all on fire? We've been doing this all year, okay? Be bold. I want to be bold. I want to be bold in my prayers. I want to be bold in my giving. I want to be bold in my serving. I want to be bold in my invites. I want to be bold in everything I do. Come on, somebody. Let's go, guys. I want to be bold in reading my Bible. I want to be bold in reaching the lost. I want to be bold in loving my wife. I want to be bold in walking my dog. I want to be bold when I'm making that can of raviolis in the dark at 2 a.m. Okay, I want to be bold in every single thing I do. And Pastor Byron, he's a sharp guy. Okay, He sees me in the office and he says, Trevor, I see you being bold. And I say, that's right, Pastor. I am bold all the time, bold in every way. He says, bold. And I say, bold. And we're screaming at each other, be bold all the time. He goes, be bold. Are you ready to be bold? I go, every time. Let's go. Be bold. He says, be bold. You're preaching your first sermon, December, not December, November 28th. Be bold. And I say, no. Fumbled over my words there, but I was getting there, okay? No. Okay. The kid ain't ready for all that, all right? I call myself the kid to trick you guys into thinking I'm younger than I am, all right? The kid ain't ready for all that. I want to be bold in all this Christian stuff, right? I want to be bold in, in my invites and bold in my, in my serving, but I don't know if I'm ready for all that. He says, too bad, you're doing it. <laughs> right on. So this is actually great advice, guys, because if we want to be bold, we have to be willing to take risk. If we want to be bold, we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone, okay? So Pastor Byron says, the kid is preaching. I got to step up. I have to answer the call. I have to be bold. Amen? Amen. So I ask him, I go, all right, Pastor Byron, what am I going to be preaching on? He said, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> Read the book of Acts. Figure it out. Okay. Cool. Got it. Got it. So I go to pray. Of course, as one good Christian would, I go to pray. God, what do you got? What should I be preaching on? Figure it out. Got it. <laughs> but then a picture came to mind, okay? So a picture came to my mind of back when Pastor Byron was preaching on his Be Bold in Your Invite series, okay? He had this visual presentation where he got me and my wife to come up on stage with everyone we've ever invited to church. Could you throw that up, please? Look at it. Now, mind you, this was 80s day, so I look like a righteous Richard Simmons. Great call to pull us up on stage that day, Pastor Byron. That was an 80s day, okay? But uh, this is what happens when we invite people to the church, right? So I'm looking at it. I'm feeling happy. But as the Lord does, I start getting convicted. You ever been there? Of course you have. You're human. We start, <laughs> I started getting convicted because I'm looking at this picture, and I'm wondering, what have I done to actually invest in these people, right? What have I done to, once they get saved, once they come in the doors, what are we doing? Because, guys, when I got saved, I was on fire. Okay, me and Kayla were crazy, yeah. Do y'all remember that new Christian fire? Yeah. 
where I'm inviting everyone to church. Seriously, I invited everyone and their mom to church. I invited your mom to church. I invited everyone to church. Okay, I would see Carl from third grade, haven't seen him in 15 years at H-E-B, and I'm like, Carl, have you, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard the good news? Okay, Carl never came. But as I'm looking at this picture, I'm thinking, am I discipling these people? Right, because we're going to get into this new building. We're going to have a 1,000 people in this new building. Come on. And I'm not predicting that. That's inevitable. Okay? I'm not just, I'm not just put that, putting that out in the air. We're going to have a 1,000 people in this new building. But if we're not discipling them, okay, if we're not equipping them for the next stage, then suddenly a 1,000 people weighs nothing. Okay? Suddenly a 1,000 people doesn't mean anything for the kingdom. Right? Suddenly our church is going to look like this. And that's just me and JC twiddling our thumbs, letting Pastor Byron yell at us. Look, he's holding a bass upside down. He doesn't play bass. I don't want to go to that church. You want to go to that church? No one wants to go. <laughs> no one wants to go to that church. So if you want to be the church that God dreams us to be, we have to equip the church. We have to equip each other. We have to answer the call to discipleship. So if you're taking notes, that's our title for today. Be bold in your discipleship. All right. So let's start with what is a disciple? I didn't know, so I went to the internet. The dictionary says a disciple is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher, okay? If you're like me and you think like a 12-year-old, think Master Splinter and the Ninja Turtles, okay? Okay, so the disciples are the Ninja Turtles. They're learning how to, they're learning how to fight crime under this dirty old rat, okay? In the path of discipleship, who do we follow? Jesus, amen? We follow Jesus. Jesus is the leader. We are the followers. You can't call yourself a Christian if you don't call yourself a disciple, okay? If we're not sharing the good news... And investing in each other, if we're not being bold in our faith and committing ourselves to making disciples, we're missing our mission, okay? We need to embrace discipleship in all facets. It's being discipled, discipling ourselves, and of course, discipling others. So before we jump into this verse, let's uh, set up the context, like what leads up to this, okay? So Jesus has discipled Peter and the 12 disciples for three years, okay? They've been with him the whole time, three years, learning from him, discipling, being discipled. Um, he is killed, he is buried. And he is resurrected. Okay, so before he ascends back to heaven, he gives the 12 disciples the great commission. We all know it, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to you. They give him the great commission. So Peter, he goes on and starts preaching this great commission to make disciples, okay? And the people of Judea who are actually responsible for voting to get, to get Jesus killed, they hear him preach. And what happens? What happens, guys? Life change, baby. Let's go. Okay? They are convicted. They repent. They are baptized. And now they're sitting under the teachings of Jesus through Peter. Okay? So that's where we find, our at now, find ourselves at now. So, and they, the people of Judea, devoted themselves to the apostles, teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That sounds amazing, right? Guys, I believe this verse encompasses God's dream for every church, okay? Not just our church. This was one of the first examples of people far from God experiencing life change, okay? Genuine spiritual conviction, right? Um, these are the people who literally voted to kill Jesus, but they're the ones getting converted and hearing the word and being saved. Wow. But there's levels of this stuff, right? In order for them to follow Jesus, they had to have someone like Peter to get them there, okay? So in our path 
of discipleship, we have to learn how to follow, all right? That could be hard for people. We have to learn how to follow, right? This doesn't mean you have to have an old dirty rat to teach you how to follow Jesus, right? You don't have to have the mentor. Uh, I had one. I'll get there. Don't worry. But for new Christians, it's wise to seek counsel from someone who's been walking the walk. Amen? That's us. That's us. That's who people need. So the people of Judea became devoted to Peter and the apostles' teachings. They're devoted. They're committed. They're hungry for more. They're learning everything they can. They had all things in common, which doesn't mean they're like wearing cargo shorts and listening to Creed now, right? (laughs) With arms wide open. But because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they are now a part of the body of Christ. And because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, they are now on the path to becoming disciples themselves. Okay, so that's the pattern. Disciples make disciples. That's right. So devotion is the first word we need to look at. Let's ask ourselves, what are we devoted to? Everybody's devoted to something, right? What are you committed to? Are you committed to your family? I hope so. Yes, right? Are we devoted to our jobs? Yes. Are we devoted to our church? Again, I hope so. We're all devoted to something, and ultimately, our devotion leads to our habits, right? And our habits lead to our actions, and our actions lead to, that's what shapes us. That's what defines our life. That defines what we do in this life, okay? So, <clears throat> everyone's devoted to something. The people of Judea's devotion led them to all of this, right? The church that God dreams for us, but they never would have gotten here if they didn't devote themselves first to the apostles' teachings, yeah. right? That's the first sentence. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. So we got to learn how to follow. Like I told you guys before, when I was a new Christian, uh, out of nowhere, I was super wild. Do right, y'all remember that? Does anybody remember baby Christian Trevor? Yeah. Guys, my, <laughs> my friends thought I joined a cult. I was wild. I was a completely different person, okay? But I was so on fire for what God had done in my life. You know, I had come from a uh, background of depression. I had PTSD. You know, I've had a lot of death in my life. Um, I had no sense of hope, but God grabbed me. And overnight, I was changed. Okay? But I was changed without any direction. <laughs> so I was changed, but I'm still that baby Christian just flailing around. Like, uh, y'all see me during worship. I'm sorry. Y'all see me during worship. Okay, that was me in the world. Imagine this. Okay, not just me on a Sunday morning, but I'm in the world doing that all the time. Okay, luckily for me, a man in the church named Brandon Stacy, come on somebody, Brandon Stacy, y'all know him? He was up here shredding the righteous rig, right? He took me under his wing and we developed this beautiful relationship of discipleship, right? He actually signed up at my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy that I teach at, Randy Brothers Jiu-Jitsu, shout out, shout out, okay? He signed up at the gym I teach at, so we developed this really cool relationship where, uh, I could ask him all of my crazy questions, right? Guys, I was proof that you can be anointed, but still be annoying. So I got to ask him all my crazy questions, right? Like, is the earth flat? What book should I read? Is my love for possums a sin? Strange, but not a sin, okay? Strange, but not a sin. But I needed him to help guide me, okay? So it was beautiful. He would teach me the Bible on Sundays. I would go beat him up on Mondays. Come on, somebody, right? It was great, right? That led me to meeting Ethan Berwick. And this is a guy who helped me through, like, my hard times of being a new Christian, okay? Whenever uh, I was down and out, when I didn't think I could be there, right? I'm a new Christian. Nothing can go wrong, right? People would have problems, and I'd be like, have you prayed about it? I was that guy. That was annoying. But when I experienced hard times, it was Ethan who taught me how to engage in my Bible, how to pray, and how to worship actively. Okay? And this all led me to getting hired at the church to be discipled by Pastor Byron. Y'all pray for him. He's got to deal with me. Right? But they committed themselves to the Great Commission. Okay? They committed themselves to the Great Commission. That's what they're doing here. Because we're not just called to make disciples, but to mature disciples. 
Come on, somebody. That's what we're here to do, okay? And if we want to grow, we have to learn how and who to follow. Here's a trick to learning how to follow. You might not like it, but here it goes. With devotion comes surrender. Okay, we have to learn how to submit. Okay, a lot of people don't like that word nowadays, okay? Brandon doesn't like that word because I'm tapping him out all the time. Yigadish, okay? <laughs> but people don't like that word because we live in a culture where we're kind of always told that we're right, right? Or that we're always a victim or you do, you boo, and everybody's calling each other king. It's strange. I don't get it. I don't get it, right? But we live in this kind of culture. Now, this doesn't mean we need to submit to anyone, obviously, right? It needs to be somebody you've built a rapport of trust with, right? Somebody who uh, wants the best for you, but will also challenge you on tough topics. But if you don't know how to submit to new ways of thinking, you're always going to be exactly where you're at, right? If you don't listen to the right people, you're always going to think you're right. You're always going to repeat the same mistakes. Don't be that person. It's hard being that person. I used to be that person. It sucked. I sucked. You don't want to be that person, guys. We have to be humble. We have to be eager to listen, to be open to changing our mind, you know, listening to the people who want the best for us. So don't take what you're learning for church for granted, okay? You got to seek wisdom and cherish the knowledge that is gained. It's very, very valuable, right? Now, what do we do with what we learn? What did the people of Judea do after devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, in the path of discipleship, we have to learn to lead ourselves. Amen? Come on, somebody. So I remember when I first started learning jiu-jitsu, okay, and I fell in love with it right away, right? Day one, I was like, I'm going to be a black belt. I'm going to be in the UFC. I'm going to win the world. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be teaching for a living for the rest of my life. I'm going to do it all, right? People will fear me and seek for me in times of refuge. Okay, classic 21-year-old white belt. It was fun, right? So <laughs> an older gentleman walked into the gym one day, okay, and he asked me to spar. I'm looking at him like, this dude thinks he can take the kid? Right? Like he's bald and has a white mustache. Like, like I got to take it easy. I do need a warm-up, so I guess I'll take it easy on the guy. We'll get moving, you know. We'll, we'll get flowing, right? So we went to spar, and uh, needless to say, I was choked and twisted up like a pretzel about 46 times, like every which way I didn't know you could get tapped out. Yeah, duh, duh. Every, every other second was me tapping, uh, 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 right? <laughs> Little did I know, he was a brown belt and had been training for 12 years, and I had a lot to learn. I realized that day that if I don't have discipline in the way I'm approaching things, okay, I'm not going to get anywhere, right? Maybe I should start uh, not eating McDonald's right before I get to class, right? Maybe I should uh, not go to bed every day at 4 a.m., right? Maybe I should uh, stop smoking a pack of cigarettes today. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't walking the walk, right? But even if I'm listening to everything my instructor says, it doesn't mean anything if I don't have the discipline to follow through with it, okay? Our path in discipleship is the same way. The root word of discipleship, you ready? Discipline. It's discipline, okay? So if we want to grow, we have to learn to lead ourselves. The verses say, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Again, guys, so good, right? Here's five disciplines that we need for discipleship. If we're going to be good disciples, we have to have these five disciplines, okay? They're all found in this verse. One, church. Uh-oh, I know. What? Church. That's right. This is what we do every Sunday, right? We sit under the preaching of the word of God where Pastor Byron teaches us what? The Bible. Okay? He didn't make the stuff up. He's teaching us the Bible. This is where we get our fuel for the rest of the week. Okay? This is where we get our fuel for discipleship. Okay? Number two, community. This is small groups. 
Joining a small group, it connects you with people on the same path as you, right? We need to surround ourselves with people on the same journey. These are people who are going to help you carry your burdens. People are going to listen to your sad stories, right? But are also going to encourage you and celebrate you when things go good, right? We have to surround ourselves with people on the same journey as us. Three, giving, right? The church that God envisions is impossible without giving. Okay, when we learn the discipline of giving, we learn to be less selfish, right? And we learn where our treasure is, okay? Our treasure is where our heart is, okay? And if you want to treasure God more, you have to give to the things that God loves. Amen. There's so much breakthrough in that. Okay, four, serving. When we serve our local church and we serve our community, we're modeling the ministry that Jesus operated with in the Bible. That's all we're doing. We're just acting like Jesus, okay? You're also ensuring that I don't get fired. Come on, somebody. Okay. And five, what does this all lead to? Gratitude. People are happy, right? That's why when you walk in, we're smiling in the parking lot, smiling in the lobby. I'm down here going, ugh, right? This is what we do, okay? What I teach my leaders as a campus director is we want to be the friendliest church in Beaumont, right? We want to be the friendliest church in Beaumont, just simply modeling Jesus, okay? Spiritual disciplines, man, how beautiful. Now, I want you to take a deep breath. Shake it out. You guys are still tense. I see it. Shake it out. Okay, get Lizzie, get Lizzie, because here comes the conviction, all right? Jessica, start the clock. We teach these things every single Sunday. Guys, we teach these things every single Sunday, okay? When Pastor Byron is teaching you how to give, don't get mad at him. It's in the book. Okay, when you're inviting people to church, don't feel weird. It's in the book, okay? When Ethan is squawking and flapping his wings, telling you to get in a small group, don't get mad at him. It's in the book, amen? When I'm flailing around during worship, don't look at me weird. It's in the book. Okay, that last part's not fair. I do look pretty strange. It kind of, the strange looks are kind of warranted, all right? But the truth of all this is that your pastors and church leaders can only do so much, right? Pastor Byron can't disciple everyone. Yeah. Brandon Stacy can't disciple your spouse. Pastor Cody can't disciple your friends. I can't disciple your kids. Ethan smells like a seagull. He can only do so much, okay? So it's ultimately up to us to take ownership, right? Discipleship has a cost, and part of that cost is discipline. We can't lead others if we don't lead ourselves. All right, the more disciplined you are, the more you'll see your life change. The more disciplined you are, the more freedom you'll experience, right? The more disciplined you are, the more willing you'll, you'll be to, the more willing people will actually be to listen to you, okay? If you're not walking the walk, nobody's gonna listen to you, all right? That's our job, that's our job. So go to church, come on, somebody, right? So like the people on Acts, we have to learn how to follow. We have to learn to lead ourselves. And in the path of discipleship, what does this all add to well, we have to lead others. That's right, that's right. We have to lead others, right? I know, discipleship, that's literally what it means. I know what you're thinking. Duh. Yeah, that's what discipling is. And let me, Trevor Knox, be the first to tell you, yeah, duh. That's what discipling means. But you would be amazed at how many people don't grip this part of ministry. Yeah. Right? How many people don't grip, who, who don't, they don't take the Great Commission seriously. That's right. right? We, we're in a day and age where people just go to church to feel good. Yeah. Right? We're in a day... Church isn't about making you feel good, guys, okay? It's not a light show for you to come to see a concert, right? This is a pep rally to hype you up, to get you out in the world to go make disciples, okay? But people, people are still missing this. People are still missing this. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. I was praying about it. Like, why aren't we committed to discipleship like we should be, right? So let me get this out of the way. Now, I'm not your lead pastor, Right? I'm not your lead pastor, so I don't have the ability to, like, I don't have the authority, I should say, to spiritually rebuke you. Okay? That's not where I'm coming from. But I am your big brother. 
Right? So I could teach you things. I can teach you ways to not make the same mistakes as I did, especially you younger ones. I see you, okay? So don't make the same mistakes I did. So I'm just going to get this out of the way, okay? We're called to be devoted to discipleship. Some of y'all devoted to disappointment. You're living with your girlfriend. Stop! You're still smoking weed every day. Stop! You're playing video games till 3 a.m. Stop! You've had more jobs than the years you've been on this earth. Stop! Come on, somebody, stop. Okay, again, I'm preaching to myself here, okay? I'm preaching to myself here. So let me just encourage you with this. Stop. Stop. We got that out of the way? Good. Okay. Now, the other reason I think people are, um, they're missing the mark on their discipleship is because I think uh, people lose their way when they forget their why. Remember that new Christian fire when you had when you first got saved, okay? It could have been many years ago. It could have been last year. But when we lose sight of what God has done for us, we lose sight of what he has in store for us, okay? Every morning before I come to church, this is what I do. I recite to myself my testimony, okay? I recite to myself my testimony to remember where I came from. I remember being, being that guy that nobody wanted to be around, okay, because I was toxic. I remember being that guy who was crippled with depression. I didn't want to get out of bed, okay? I, was, uh, I had no purpose. I was lost. But then suddenly I had hope, and overnight... God grabbed me, and everything changed. I finally found hope, okay? Now, life is still hard, right? Uh, last year, for example, I had this uh, really bad depression spell, which I hadn't had since being saved, okay? So I'm working at the church, working my tail off, doing everything I can uh, through the pandemic to make sure, you know, all boxes are checked off. And uh, I just got in this really, really bad depression spell where I wasn't motivated to do anything related to church. Uh, I was arguing with God, like, I thought I was saved. I thought I didn't have to feel like this anymore, right? And then the Lord revealed something to me that I will never forget and that I will always carry with me, so I want to give it to you guys, okay? There's a huge difference between working for God and living with God. Before, okay, I would read my Bible like it was a devotion or like I was studying, like I had to do this, right? I'm going to preach one day. Let me make sure I'm getting all the hermeneutics and homiletics and perbajubics, you know? But I was missing the intimacy, right? God, God, wants, God wants relationship with you, okay? So if we're just working for God and we're not living with God, that's dumb, <laughs> right? It's, it's not smart, right? Why would I commit myself to church as like a business if I'm not relating myself to God, right? God wants to be working. He wants to be living with us. And that reminded me of my why. Could you fill up that first picture again? So... 80s day, come on, somebody. So, so when I remind myself of what my why is, like why do I do what I do, okay? Why, why am I so on fire for the mission that God has given me? I have to remind myself that this can go to this. So that's my man, Aaron Martin, one of my closest friends, right? One of our fellow jiu-jitsu instructors. He's one of those old dudes that can beat you up. Come on, somebody. Okay? Okay, but he was just like me. He was just like me. He, uh, he was only coming to church because his wife made him. Right? Right? Worship was weird to him. He was just trying to drink as much coffee as he could here, hanging out in the lobby. Right? But through getting into these doors and then being discipled, his life changed. He got baptized. Come on, somebody. Right? That's my why. Okay, could you show the next picture? So, 
So this is me and my best friend baptizing my other best friend. Okay, this is Ronald. He was living in Austin for seven years, extremely successful business, right? But I wouldn't shut up about Jesus. <laughs> he ended up moving down here. What did the Lord do? He got saved. He found the love of his life and got married in this church. He serves now faithfully on our worship team. Guys, this is my why. This is my why. Because I've seen the cycle of discipleship. I've been the guy who had zero direction, right? But because people invested in me, I now get the chance to invest in others. Okay, I didn't wake up and randomly decide to be devoted, but I did wake up and come to the realization that I have a Savior who loves me, who sees me, who died for me, and wants the best for me. So the least I could do is follow his commandments. The least I could do is follow my commandments. This is my why, guys. You have to remember where you came from, guys. God's not done with us, redemption. Right? How do I know that? How do I know that? Because we have babies who are never meant to be born who are running around in the back having a blast. God's not done. Okay? We have marriages that were on the complete brink of collapse, and now the wife is actually teaching those kids, and the husband's leading us in worship. Come on. God's not done. We, I've seen... People with chronic illnesses, okay, healed in an instant. God's not done. Come on. I've seen a man addicted to drugs, thrown in jail, and then God took him to go plant a city in the heart of Beaumont. God's not done. I used to want to put a gun to my head every single morning I woke up. But God grabbed me. He told me I'm not done with you. He's not done with me. I got something to say. Redemption, you've got something to say, okay? We don't just exist to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience the life change through Jesus. We exist to be the gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience this. Redemption, you've got something to say. God has a dream for our church, and I know we're going to accomplish it, okay? We've seen him do too much to turn back now. We're going to have 1,000 people in this new building, okay, who lovingly teach and disciple their loved ones, okay? We don't care about being a mega church. We don't care about being famous, right? Look at me. I don't care about any of that, right? We want to see life change. We want to see marriages restored, okay? We want to see kids learning to follow Jesus, all right? That's our mission. That's our mission, and there's no end to what God's going to do in a house like that because what happens when we answer the call to discipleship? It's in the book. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Guys, there's no end to his faithfulness. When we learn how to follow, when we learn to lead ourselves, and we learn to lead others, we learn how to be bold in our discipleship. Are you guys ready to be bold? Come on, somebody. So I wanna close with four words, okay? I wanna close with four words that were given to me by one of the wisest men I know here in the church, okay? His name is Doug Landry. Doug, can I get a name in? There he is. Guys, Doug is turning 58 years old tomorrow. When I see this man, I see a man who is passionate about serving his church, who gives generously, who invests in the next generation. And I just ask him, like, Doug, you're always sweating on Sundays. How do you do it? He just looked at me and he says, stay committed, stay convicted. Stay committed, stay, convi stay convicted. Stay committed to discipling the ones you love and the ones you haven't even met yet. Stay convicted because the Lord has put a calling on your life and together we can answer that call to discipleship, okay? This is Redemption Church, guys. No one walks alone, right? In this house, no one walks alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you so much for your power, God. I thank you for your glory, Lord. I thank you for every single person in this room, God. I'm just praying for a, a boldness to come upon us, God. A boldness in our discipleship, a boldness to reach the lost, a boldness to go a step above what we're used to, Lord. Because we have this new p- building and people need you, Father. People need you, Lord. And you're gonna be using us as the vessels to connect them with who you are, God. Let everything we do always point to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for Trevor. What's up? Trevor, we are, we are just so grateful for you. So thankful for you. Um, I know I am just uh, really, really proud of you. Thank you. Um, as, uh, as we were doing our staff um, huddle this morning in the back, uh, there's a, a quote that I love. It's by, by Mark Twain. It says, the two most important days in a man's life is the day he's born and the day he finds out why. Uh, and so I think for us as believers, the day you were born again and then the day that you discover your purpose and what God has called you to do for the rest of your life. And today we got to see that happen for you, my man. So I honor the call that God has on you and the gifts. You have a church here that, that loves you. And so we're just incredibly thankful and grateful for you and your wife. And um, the best is yet to come. Amen. Can we all agree? The best is yet to come for this young man. Awesome, man.